If the soul of the nation is to be saved, I believe that you must become its soul. Those were the words of one of America's greatest sheroes, Coretta Scott King. And today, still recovering from the impacts of a deadly and devastating global pandemic, and on the other side of Roe v. Wade, no truer words have ever been spoken. Ladies, if the soul of this nation is to be saved, we must become its soul. Happy International Women's Day and welcome to our 2023 Women's History Month celebration. My name is Kimberly Ellis and I am so thrilled and proud to be the director of the San Francisco Department on the Status of Women. Every year we come together to mark this occasion to acknowledge and celebrate our history, our present, and our future on this collective journey towards freedom, justice, and gender equality. Here in San Francisco, we're surrounded by modern day history makers of all ages, races, places, and spaces. And today we honor three of San Francisco's finest. Today's honorees have committed their time, talent, and treasure to lifting up, supporting, mentoring, nurturing, and investing in other women and girls throughout their respective communities for decades. Women who, regardless of the many obstacles and challenges, disappointments and setbacks, nevertheless persisted. These women are profiles in courage and epitomize what it means to, despite it all, continue to rise. And speaking of rising, I am incredibly proud to introduce this next woman leader who, born and raised in San Francisco, has herself risen from poverty to greatness. A woman who has dedicated her entire career to helping others through public service. In the black community, we, when it comes to demonstrating what you believe in, what you stand for, and what you value, we have a saying, don't talk about it, be about it. And when it comes to believing in, standing for, and valuing the worth of women and girls, and being committed to their health, safety, and well-being, this woman has been about it from day one. Please help me in welcoming San Francisco's 45th mayor and the first black woman to ever hold this post. Give it up for our mayor, London Breed. Thank you so much, Kimberly. And I wanna just express my appreciation for all of the people who are joining us here today to celebrate international women's history in this country. And I wanna just take us back a little bit because we're joined here today by some of our elected leaders who are women and department heads. And sadly, not so long ago in the history of this country and in the history of this city, women couldn't even be a part of this political establishment. In fact, I recall the stories of Belva Davis when she was a reporter and how she would have to take her microphone and put it through the door because she was not even allowed to enter the Board of Supervisors chambers. So I'm really happy to be joined by members of the Board of Supervisors today, including Supervisor Hillary Ronan and Supervisor Catherine Stephanie. Thank you so much. And I wanna thank the many department heads. I see the guys standing over there to the side. They want their attention too. So thank you to Supervisor Walton, Supervisor Mandelman, our treasurer, Jose Cisneros, Supervisor Matt Dorsey, and our assessor, Joaquin Torres, who have been great allies to women as well. 
And again, thanks all of our department heads, all of our leaders. You know, I'm so proud of San Francisco because we have 61% of the department heads are women in the city and county of San Francisco. And so women really do run our city, not just the mayor. 55% members who are on boards and commissions. So can all the commissioners that are joining us here today, women commissioners, please raise your hand. Thank you. And I can go on and on about women get it done. But I want to spend time today really focused and talking about the three extraordinary women that we are so fortunate to honor because, you know, it's I, I, every year when I hear about the theme, I don't know what it is, but instantly people come to mind. I don't know what that is, but when it was about women telling our stories, I couldn't think of three better women who have been consistent and persistent in telling the stories and in using their platforms of advocacy to really push for collaboration and, and bringing communities together and to push for change. So let me start with Andrea Dustile. Andrea is one of the founders of Emerge. And for those of you who don't know, many of the women who tend to get elected, like myself, like Supervisor Stephanie and others, we were elected because she, along with another group of women, founded Emerge, which trains Democratic women to run for office. Well, why is that important? We were looking at even the history of this city, and I remember you telling the story about when Kamala Harris wanted to run for district attorney, and there was no platform, no place to help make sure someone like her had the resources and support and understanding of what it would take and the knowledge to do what's necessary to win. And so we can thank our vice president, but we can also thank the women who really consistently put themselves on the line to ensure that a program exists to promote and support and push to get women elected. We are so fortunate in San Francisco and California that you know those are a part naturally of our values, but it doesn't exist in other parts of the country. As we know, with our rights being our ability to protect our own health and make decisions for our own body, we know how valuable it is to have that here in San Francisco in the state of California because it doesn't exist in the rest of the country. And Emerge has really taken on the role of getting outside of not just California, but in other parts of the United States to make sure that they not only train, but they promote, raise funds, push to get women Democrats elected to office all over this country. And it's because of her role, her vision, and her consistent work that it is possible. And the fact is, it doesn't stop there. The work that she does to raise funds for causes that help support women leaders. The work that she does when women who are running from office all over the state, most recently Val Demons, who was running for senator in Florida, which would have been amazing to have a woman like her in office, she brings to light their stories. She brings to light their causes and the work that they've done and how it will move and push women forward. And so I'm really honored here today to thank Andrea Dustile for her work, her partnership, her mentorship, and her consistency in advocating and uplifting women, but in, more importantly, telling our stories telling our stories and our struggles and our challenges and what we've been through as leaders. Because let me tell you, it's hard, but it's especially hard for women. And I also want to acknowledge her that when the opportunity presented itself, because wanting to make sure women of color who also had a platform in races all over the, the country, hiring Kimberly Ellis, who led Emerge at one point, and who really was very intentional about the decisions she made to diversify the group of women who were being trained and who were running for office. And I'll tell you, had it not been for a program like Emerge, so many incredible elected leaders 
would not be leading our cities and making sure that our stories were told and our values and the things that we care about were brought to the forefront. And so at this time, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Andrea Ducille. Thank you, Madam Mayor. I am so grateful to you for honoring me on International Women's Day. When I set out in 2002 with a few friends to create a program to help make it easier for Democratic women from the community to run for office, I had no idea that 21 years later I would be receiving this kind of honor from the mayor of my city who is a graduate of this program. I am honestly so overcome. You are truly why I set out to do this work. Having you in a position of power with your lived experience is what makes you an incredible leader. And I am so grateful to have you as my mayor and as my friend, so thank you. I also want to thank my unbelievable, badass friend, Kimberly Ellis. I mean, she is such a constant inspiration to me. Uh, I was very fortunate to meet Kimberly when she went through Emerge. What year was that? 2007. 2007, a while ago. And she was impressive from the start, and I am constantly inspired by your passion around gender and racial justice, so thank you for all you do. And I will never forget deciding to get involved in local politics and sitting down at my desk and looking up my supervisor. At that time in 2002, we had two women supervisors out of 11. Today we have four. And we still have only had two women mayors. We've never had a woman governor in the state of California. And of course, we've never had a woman president. I remain as committed as ever to seeing more Democratic women enter the political realm because there is so much work to do. Women hold one-fourth of the offices at the federal level, about 30% at the state level, which is far from 50-50. And most importantly, there are so many challenges in our world, and we need the best and the brightest to be working towards solutions. And that means making sure that half of our population is empowered to lead and serve. So today, on International Women's Day, it is upon us to renew our commitment to gender equality. Now, more than ever, we must fight for our rights. My daughter, Gabby, is here today, and it is tragic that she now enjoys less rights than I did at her age, because there has been a successful war wage to infantilize women and take away the ability for us to decide what we do with our own bodies. The U.S. is also one of just seven countries in the world that does not guarantee paid maternity leave. We, we hold, we're in the company of countries like Micronesia, Nauru, Palau, Papua New Guinea, and Tonga. We do not have universal childcare, and women are still more likely to experience violence and discrimination than men. Today is about committing and doubling down on gender equality. I know that many of us often feel dispirited during these very tough times, but someone once told me that hope and action are both disciplines. So I call on each one of us here today to be disciplined. Let us commit simultaneously to being hopeful and also being willing to take the actions needed to push us forward in this battle for gender justice. Thank you so much for this honor. Thank you again. Thank you. And of course, using her platform to promote the kinds of things that will help 
with ensuring that women continue to be at the forefront of leading this country. And so thank you and congratulations. I want to also just take an opportunity to acknowledge a few of the uh, various department leaders uh, who are joining us here today. Uh, first of all, the person, our city administrator, who was once on the Board of Supervisors, Carmen Chu, thank you for being here. The second woman to lead the fire department, Janine Nicholson. And two extraordinary women who I've had the privilege to work with in the community. Many of you remember oftentimes doing work to really focus on taking care of folks. Cheryl Davis and Valley Brown. And the person who's leading the Juvenile Justice Center, Katie Miller. Thank you so much for being here. And during our declaration of emergency for our COVID response and some of the challenges that we were dealing with in the Tenderloin, Mary Ellen Carroll helped us lead all that work. And if any of you want to adopt a cat, a dog, or any pet in San Francisco, Virginia Donahue, who runs Animal Care and Control, is here with us. The lady who runs the port down there, Elaine Forbes. And our HR guru, Carol Eisen. So if you're looking for a job, talk to Carol. All right, so let's get back to our program of honoring our great women. And I'm going to move on over to this side. Let me tell you, you know, I know so many of you who have a great relationship with Felicia Jones. You know that she wears her heart on her sleeve. Uh, I first had an opportunity to get to know Felicia Jones when many of you recall in the Bayview Hunters Point when Mario Woods was killed. And that was a very challenging time with the community and the San Francisco Police Department. And it was very frustrating just in how things elevated and there was a lack of understanding for why people were in such an outrage. I was on the Board of Supervisors at the time. Malia Cohen was also on the Board of Supervisors, and Malia Cohen was, in fact, leading a lot of the charges around the reforms that are now being implemented with the San Francisco Police Department to push more in a direction of de-escalation so that we can do everything we can to deal with people struggling with mental illness and substance use disorder, with our street crisis response team and other things, and we have seen a significant change in San Francisco. Is it perfect? No. But the reason why we are even close to becoming even better has a lot to do with the work, the consistent work of health and disparities in the African-American community led by Felicia Jones. And the thing about it is, it's not easy work. Because, you know, I just want to be honest here. People do not support Felicia the way that they should. And she gets it from both sides. She gets it when she's trying to fight against the injustices, sometimes from the city side, with her work that she tries to do to help support some of the inmates who are incarcerated at 850 Bryant. She gets it from the African-American community in some instances because she is demanding that if they're going to criticize, that they need to be right by her side helping her to do this work, this important work. And she has consistently made it clear that she's not going anywhere because Felicia understands the need to be courageous, to stand up, to fight against an injustice, and she's unapologetically black. And when I say that, it has more to do with not just that she's black, she understands how to build those bridges with the black community so that we can promote collaboration and understanding and respect for one another. She wants to see this community, which we've seen in the statistics represents 40% of the homeless population and so many of the challenging disparities around health and well-being in San Francisco, even though the population is considerably low, 
she realizes that this city has to do more to make significant investments and significant policy changes that will lead to not only better results for the black community, it will lead to better results for the community of San Francisco. And so, you know, Felicia and I over the years, you know, you'd be surprised by the fights we had. And the reason why, you know, sometimes when you fight with somebody so much early on, you tend to say, I don't want to work with this person because they're too difficult. And you know why I stayed focused on making sure that whenever she asked to meet with me, whenever she wanted to talk about anything, why I didn't say no? Because it was so obvious that her heart was in this work. And I could never say no, because not only because she wouldn't go away, <laughs> but because when you have that, that kind of person filled with so much love and desire in their heart to do the right thing to help people, you should want to be a part of helping them to do that. Her leadership has been amazing, and she's expanded the work that she's done. She has been in community, passing out gift cards and groceries and resources and trying to help people get connected to services. I get messages and phone calls. I need to help this person get a job. I need to help this person with groceries. This person's about to get evicted. Where's the programs? Where's the support? This is all, especially during the pandemic, she saw a need and she stepped in. And this is what I love and appreciate about Felicia. She's an amazing human being. And I am fortunate enough to not only know her and work with her, but call her a friend. So ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the honoree for International Women's Day, Felicia Jones. Well, good afternoon, everyone. Um, first, I have to give honor to God. And um, I'm a little emotional right now. Because what Mayor Breed has stated was that being black in America, being black in San Francisco, being black working for the city and county of San Francisco, raised in Bayview Hunters Point, having two sisters brutally murdered, becoming a crack addict, serving prison time in every penitentiary in the state of California, with the exception of two, because in the black community, we weren't told about trauma. I was released April 5th, 1991. And I just decided that, you know, before my sisters got murdered, I was the youngest corporate officer for Wells Fargo Bank throughout the nation. I was the youngest. So when I began to look at my credentials and, and the corporate um, things that I have done, and then meeting um, Mayor Breed at the time she was president of the board, and thank you to um, Minister Christopher Muhammad, who brought us together at um, John's Grill with the fabulous scallops. <laughs> you know, I just really appreciate Mayor Breed. I love Mayor Breed. Everyone who knows me knows that I love Mayor Breed. You can't say anything about her wrong to me because I love her that much. And for her to know who I am, what I stand for, that I am an unapologetic black woman. I'm not an activist. I'm sorry, I'm not a politician. I'm an activist. And so when I go into some rooms, I'm not afraid to speak up. 
because there's nothing you can do to me. But the one thing you can do to me is put a target on my back. Don't let me do what I'm an expert at, and that's creating programs, intervention programs for my community. And so I, I, I love you so much. I really do. And so as we look around and we, we, we honor these beautiful women, congratulations. There's still so much work to do, especially in the black community. And so I say, in order to save the people, you must serve the people. In order to lead the people, you must love the people. Carnell West. And I love black people. I'm not ashamed of, about it. I'm not apologetic about it. I'm not anti-white. I'm not anti-Asian. I'm not anti-Latino. But I am pro-black. And why? Because we deserve it. When you look around and you study all the incidents throughout the city and county of San Francisco, black people who represent about 4%, we'll say five, we are at the bottom of every list. Health, education, mass incarceration, housing, employment. And so how do we begin to lift up the black community in San Francisco. And Mayor Breed has done that, along with Shaman Walton with the Dream Keepers Initiative. Clap it up for the Dream Keepers Initiative. And so it's hard, and I know it's hard for her because she's the mayor of San Francisco. I'm an activist in San Francisco. But we, we gotta keep pushing. We got to keep pushing. And I want to thank Cheryl Davis, who has taught me a lot. She's a remarkable woman also. She's a remarkable woman. And the things that we have to do to uplift our people, it takes all of us. And none of us have the, the luxury of sitting down and not doing anything. Right now, I was reading a few months ago, maybe not about a month ago, that they had an office of overdose prevention. I said, overdose prevention? <laughs> they got an office of overdose prevention? <laughs> what do they do? <laughs> so I started researching. And one of the things that I'm also working on outside of bringing um, programs, Assistant Sh Sheriff Carter, back into the jails, is that the fentanyl. And so I wanted to know what the Office of Overdose Prevention did. So I found out it's Dr. Holm. I sent him an email. I told him I was interested in the deaths of black people, black San Franciscans around fentanyl. And he told me that blacks in San Francisco we are five times that of all San Franciscans who overdose on fentanyl. That's deep. It's concerning. And so it's like, what are we going to do about it? And so I jump in because I care. And so I'm just going to leave you with something that I heard as I was preparing and, and thanking Mayor Breed and, and my God for bringing me out of every prison, with the exception of two, to lead me back to school to get my BA, to get my master's, for me to become a Robert Wood Johnson fellow, for me to become a USC fellow. See, a lot of you guys just see Felicia with an attitude or with a target on her back but I've been around. And so 
I'm grateful and I'm thankful. And I got tired, I'm not gonna lie. But one of my volunteers said, Felicia, if you don't do it, who's going to do it? And so I heard this artist say the following. And I thought, oh wow, that really speaks to my heart. I should be crying, but I'm chilling. I should be dead, but I'm living. I should be fearful, but I know who I serve. I am more than a conqueror. I am a fighter. God's love is real. I should be weak, but I'm strong. I should be struggling, but God is my provider. Quitting is not an option because queens don't quit. So thank you very much. And again, Mayor Breed, I love you. I love you. And to everyone who came to support me, I love you. And the work must continue. And the thing of it is, we must not be afraid because we can't continue to let black San Franciscans suffer like this. Thank you so much. Thank you so much and congratulations, Felicia. I had to save this extraordinary woman for last. Florence Fang is truly an institution. When I was young, well, I still feel like I'm young, but I, I remember as a kid in San Francisco, you know, seeing her in the newspapers, seeing her sometimes on television, and she was really one, she still is, but one of the most beautiful, elegant women that when you see her, you remember her and you notice her. And fast forward to when I finally had a chance to work with her, I was working under Mayor Willie Brown. And uh, I had, you were bringing some dancers from China to come and do this collaboration and we had to find a place for them to stay on Treasure Island. When I heard the Florence Fang was coming and I had to give her, the Florence Fang was coming and I had to give her a tour, I actually um, told my grandmother I had to buy a new suit because I had to look good and be ready for her because it's Florence Fang. Now, the thing about her and what I've learned over the years, becoming you know, just someone that has developed a relationship with her, is she was this woman who I saw as that person way up there. But when you interact with her, she, everyone, is on her level in how she treats people with kindness, with respect, and also a genuine desire to want to get to know you and to want to help and to want to support community. She has probably been the most significant ambassador of China-US relations that has ever existed. She has done it with presidents of different parties, bridging that gap and trying to make those connections. And through her philanthropic support, making some amazing collaborations happen. I remember when I was on the Board of Supervisors and I had the privilege to go to China. Uh, mayor Ed Lee was the mayor at the time. And there was, we went to Beijing University and they named a whole building after her. A whole building. Who gets that, right? But let me tell you why they did that. They did it because she had been working towards the goal of providing financial assistance for Americans to study at Beijing University, to study in China, so that they can learn about the culture, but to also learn the language. And again, to build a better relationship. So it was, of course, appropriate. 
Her family, through her leadership, was the first immigrant family to own a newspaper in this country. The Examiner was owned by the Fang family. And she turned it into a paper that was more diverse, promoted more stories about community and a lot of the things that were happening in the community. Some of you may be familiar with the beautiful garden in the Bayview-Hunters Point community. And I'll tell you that I know more recently many of us have heard about or have witnessed or have some knowledge of so many of our Asian seniors during this pandemic and even after that have been attacked. But before that, relationships sometimes between the Asian community and the African-American community have been tense. And in every single instance, one time when I was at the African-American Art and Culture Complex, it was her son, Teddy, who she sent to me. She's like, Teddy, go talk to London about this to have a sit down and a forum and a discussion with people from the Chinese and the black community because she wanted to bring us together. When Malia Cohen was supervisor, she helped create this beautiful garden in the Bayview Hunters Point to bring community together. And when you visit it for any occasion, you will see many of our Chinese seniors in particular and our African-American uh, African students working hand in hand in this garden. And many of those seniors don't even speak English, but there's this connection, this connection of support and respect and genuine love for one another. That has been her entire existence, bringing people together, celebrating community. And she's been honored by so many people all over the world. So, I'm so, I'm honored that she has the time to come here today and to accept this award because I have admired her for so many years. And it's not just because of her philanthropic support to so many institutions and the fact that anytime you ask her for anything for support and it's a good call, she does it, but she takes it to the next level. She gets involved. She brings people together. She's very active in trying to make those connections consistently. And man, I'm not gonna tell her age because you don't tell a woman's age, but I still don't believe it. Let me just say that. Because when I show up to events, when I go places all around the city, oftentimes she is there and looking just as good as she looks here today and better than everyone in the room because she has style, she has grace, she has class, but most importantly, she has a big heart. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Florence Fang. Thank you so much. The first, I want to say, I'm very proud I'm Asian America. I'm very proud I'm Chinese America. And today, I'm even more proud to be a San Franciscan, to honor in San Francisco, San Francisco City Hall by the wonderful woman mayor, London Bray. And we all know today is International Women's Day. In United States, in San Francisco, is the month to celebrate and to recognize the woman's good deed and achievement. And it's the month for the woman to tell our stories. So I'm here to tell you a little bit about my stories. America offered everybody an opportunity, everybody a dream. I come to the America is seeking for this beautiful dream. I was born in China and educated in Taiwan. After 
graduated from the university are immigrants to the United States. For the first 10 years, I was a housewife and a three boys' mother. And when my three boys was very young, my late husband suddenly got very sick and he has been hospitalized. So that time, the difficult time, I have to take care of him, take care, take care of our three little boys, and take care of the, his little printing shop. That little printing shop is in the basement of San Francisco Chinatown. And just one part-time employees. When I walk in that printing shop, my English is not good enough to make a check. And later on, that little printing shop is expanding, expanded and developed a one of the biggest printing company in San Francisco. Once, we printed more than 40 different language, dailies, weeklies, monthly newspapers and magazines. 2000, at year 2000, the family just purchased San Francisco Examiner from the Hearst family. Made us is the first Asian American immigrants family to own a Main Street newspapers in America. And, and after that, I start to pay, to pay back to the community. I donate money to UC Berkeley, help to build Asian Far East Library. The family foundation with the Ford Foundation, we cre in, in 2013, we created a 100,000 100, uh, foundations for sending 100,000 young students to China to study. I was the honorary trustee for Peking University. So 2014, I accompanied then the first lady, Michelle Obama, to visit China and speak in the Peking University. Then last year, I donated a lunch pad in San Francisco Asian Art Museum for provide a platform to the young Asian artists to display their talent. And right now, I have another ongoing project in Chinatown that is going to build a Chinese railroad workers center. As the mayor just mentioned, and uh, I'm a very old lady, um, because you know what, I grew up in the World War II. Then you can figure out how old I am. <laughs> so I witnessed America to send a young pilot go to China, help China to fight with aggression against Japan. And those young American pilots, we called them flying tigers. That's why 2016, I bought a flying tiger airplane, C-47. I found it in Australia and repaired it and flew to China as a gift, as a token as a sample 
for the two countries a good relationship. To remember, during the World War II, the two countries will have been good allies and will have been folding shoulder to shoulder together. And I also donated a building in Chinatown to establish a World War II Pacific War Memorial Hall. Or I did this because I want the Memorial House, oh, by the way, Memorial House, our slogan is remember the history and repeat, remember the history and cherish the peace. So, or I did this, one of my favorite project, my favorite donation, my favorite service to the community. That is called Florence Fan Family Community Farm. Just, Mayor just mentioned, and just I saw, I, or he just left, I, I saw the, the supervisor Watkins here. With their help, this beautiful community farm is keep the last farmland in San Francisco. This farmland is only in San Francisco being recognized by U.S. Agriculture Department. <laughs> to serve, to help, to serve. Oh, this farmland is located Bayfield Hunter Point, and help to serve the fresh vegetables for all the neighbors. And the speaker, Nancy Pelosi, did the ground broken. And she noticed, she said, that farmland is a national sample for Asian community and black community working together. And I working very, very hard for my life to raise a family, to take care of the business, to serve the community. Finally, I did something for myself. Four years ago, I purchased a house at passing by the 280 freeway. People call that house for Flintstone House. <laughs> and the house is built and built and inspired by the Flintstone comics and, the, uh, 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 and cartoon. After I bought the house, I decorate with my own whimsical imaginations from the dinosaur, the rainbow, and the spaceship. And when you're visiting that house, I guarantee you, you forget your age, you forget your race, you forget your burden, you forget your worry, just enjoy your youth dream. I call that house for my, fan, for my youth fantasy. And I, I think if I have a chance to like, just Karma mentioned, I have a chance to invite everybody, mayor, and to visiting that house to share my joy. And at the end, I'd like to say, Dream without action. Dream is a dream. Dream only works with action. Yeah. Let's work action together. Thank you. Thank you very much. Well, ladies and gentlemen, 
This has been a nice program. And I don't know about you, but my heart is filled with so much joy for these three extraordinary women, as well as all of you being here today to honor them and share in this moment. So I want to take this opportunity to acknowledge that it is not done. Um, our chief of protocol, Miriam Madroglu, who's joining us here today, and the Office of Protocol will be hosting a reception to honor these ladies after this program concludes, so I'll hurry up and stop talking. Uh, we have flowers, we have gifts, and we have appreciation uh, for the work that you have done for so many people, and in some cases, people that you may never meet. The unsung sheroes of our city, and I'm so honored to have this opportunity to take a moment and to recognize you on an important day in our country. And I want to thank you for all your work, all your deeds, and everything that you have done and will continue to do to be such a blessing to the people of this city and this country. And again, thank you everyone for being here. And please join us in the mayor's office for a reception. Okay, we are going to do some pictures first with our honorees and the mayor, but I also, before we leave, wanted to give a special shout out. Uh, you know, San Francisco it has many sister cities across the world. One of those sister cities is Cork, Ireland, and we have a delegation from Cork, Ireland here visiting today. Do you want to stand? Welcome. So I want to invite our honorees to come up uh, for photos with uh, the mayor, and then we will uh, go back to the reception area. <laughs> 